Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me, if you would, please, and I want to take a moment welcome all of you joining us online and watching this recorded. Uh, if you're watching it being after being recorded, Merry Christmas, maybe in January, so pray that you had one. If you're watching live, we pray that you have a very, very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, today we'll conclude the series on believing for more in 24. Um, I've never been a guy that liked to allow a season to determine the message. I want to allow the Holy Spirit to direct me. And as I began praying uh, in October, November, this, this came to me that this is the time to talk about how you want to look at next year. Uh, Susan and I had that conversation this morning talking about exactly what we're believing for, what we want to see happen in 24. And... I wanted to get your focus on that because what's happening Christmas, Jesus was the one who came to help us look for more. Now, when I say that, I want to preface it with this, and I want to go back to uh, Genesis chapter 3. I never preached out of Genesis during Christmas before, but it's a great beginning, right? So it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? Now, anytime that question is asked, be it from a serpent, Satan, or another person, beware. There's, there's probably something behind that, not all the time, but most of the time, of is what you really believe or what you really heard, is it really accurate, is it really true? And uh, sometimes people are pulling on you, maybe for the right reasons, help me understand, but most of the time... They're challenging your faith. And it goes on to say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden, question mark. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. So here we go, this conversation is going on, and Satan says, you will surely not, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows, and this is interesting, Satan himself, or the serpent, as it states here, is kind of speaking like, I know him better than you, and actually, if you go to Isaiah chapter 14, he was the worship leader of heaven, fell, he was a fallen angel, and it says, um, 
when the woman, it says, when, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, there was some truth there. God did not want us to know good from evil because then we would have to make decisions that we constantly are making today. But here's the point behind reading that. And I want to I lay a foundation here is people say, I want to be more like God. And that, that sounds like a really holy, righteous uh, statement. I want to be more like God. And you'd look at somebody and you would go, that is a great goal. It's really not a great goal because what you're saying is, I want to be like him. In other words, I want to behave like him. So you say, well, what do we need to do? I want to know God more. I don't want to be more like God. Because if I know God more, I will become more like God. Make sense? So if I make it my goal to be more like God, then a lot of that could include my flesh making decisions, good and evil, because I want to make a good decision to be more like God. But the more I know God, the more I might act like God and be like God. And so the goal here is to know Him more. In fact, the Bible says those who know their God shall do exploits. So the goal is not to do exploits, but to know God. And so if I want more in 24, I simply want more of God in 24. And then if I have more of God, then I can possess more of, of what he wants, what he likes. I can have more knowledge. I can have more of his presence and his spirit to do the things I need to do and want to do. The challenge is always the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And so if I measure my life by my behavior, I've really measured wrong. I need to measure my life by my relationship with God. Is it everything I want it to be? Is, am, I, am I creating a, a discipline, a system in life, a culture of knowing Him more? I stated this. I was looking back at some notes from previous sermons this morning, and I had this question in one of those sermons. Am I a Christian because I bear fruit, or do I bear fruit because I'm a Christian? Now, just ponder that a moment. Let that soak in. Am I a Christian because I bear fruit? No, I'm not a Christian because I bear fruit. I'm a Christian because I put my faith in God. And because I put my faith in God, I bear fruit. You see, when I talk about more in 24, I'm not talking just about possessions <clears throat> and, and things and stuff. I want more of God in 24. That's what I want. That's my foundational desire is to have more of God, to know Him more. If I know Him more and I'm led by His Spirit, then I, I know that my pursuits are more likely to be born out of the Spirit and not out of the flesh. And I, I'm not condemning anyone to have, that has goals and you have desires and you know, you got a picture of a house on your refrigerator that you're believing for. Not against any of that. But I'm saying the foundation on which every one of those dreams and goals and, and pictures are built is knowing Him more. If I get more in my life without knowing Him more, the more that I get may, be, may turn out to be a curse and not a blessing. 
It's the reason so many people that win the lottery end up losing their life. They weren't built for that more. They got more without having a foundation to put the more on. And so it's very, very important that we realize there are enemies that come at us. And in this case, Satan is trying to convince Eve, look, God doesn't want you to... You know, he's jealous. That's what he's saying. He wants you to have more. I mean, he, because you're going you're gonna to be like him. You're going to know, you're gonna have to know that you're going to know the difference between good and evil. And it would have been nice if we didn't even know there was evil. Would that be correct? And, you know, in the garden, they didn't even know there was good and evil. They just had God. And they had this palatial place. They didn't have to go shop. They didn't have to get anything off Amazon. They, they could run around freely. And uh, there was just no need. It's just like they just so purely knew God. And so I'm go to the New Testament, Philippians chapter 3. Again, I want us to grasp this idea that before we believe God for more in 24, I want us to believe for more of God in 24. I, I want us to know Him more. I want, and the more I get near to God it minimizes or reduces the things of my flesh without me even targeting them. They begin to fade or disappear when I just focus on God. You see a lot of people in January are going to do what they usually do, and they're going to set goals like you're going to lose 30 pounds, you're going to go to the gym and all those things. Well, those might be good goals, but if, if you don't have a God revelation of why you're doing that, and it's strictly because... You think, well, I want to look better. I, want to, uh, I, I need a person in my life. <laughs> I look at some women, and, and I don't men, men are just men, but women go on a divorce diet, you know. I mean, after they can, they can drop pounds. You want to lose weight, just tell your husband I'll be back in six months. Um, <laughs> but it, it's our, our reasoning, our purpose, our motivation for what we do it should come down to feeling the very presence of God moving us to do it. Not attacking fat, but approaching God. Oops, I'm sorry. Not attacking metabolism challenges, but pressing into God. You see, I think sometimes we're fighting against things instead of drawing near Him. And, and when we talk about more in 24, it's I want to draw more near God. If I, if I have in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy, which means there's a diminishing amount of, of chaos in my life, of, of depression in my life, because I'm pressing into God, and where I get more of God, I get less of those things. So I think sometimes we're, 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 we're looking at the wrong things. I'm not suggesting that you're not aware of them or that you don't do things to, to uh, hold them at bay, but to press into God. And Paul said, my beloved ones, don't ever limit your joy or fail to rejoice in the wonderful experience of knowing our Lord Jesus. Of knowing, here we go again, knowing our Lord Jesus. I don't mind repeating what I've already written, written you because it, it protects you. Beware of those religious hypocrites who teach that you should be circumcised to please God. See, again, they're saying this is what you ought to do instead of who you ought to know. 
And so we get discouraged because discipline is very, very difficult. I mean, all you've got to do is put certain things like miniature pecan pies in front of me. It's one of my weaknesses. And this time of year, pecan pies and pumpkin pies are everywhere. Yeah. And, 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 and then during the year, all you have to do is get me a bag of cherry sours and I'm done. And, and I know I shouldn't and I don't want to, but, but if they're there, I, I, and then Susan really kind of watches too, which doesn't help me at all. How many of those did you eat last night? I, so I hide them. There is therefore now no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I can make up all kinds of scriptures to feed my flesh. But in my heart, I, I have this like conviction. It's like God goes, huh. So if, but, but when I'm really full of God, my flesh doesn't need to be as full. My stomach doesn't need to be as full. Am I making sense? Okay, good. We're getting there. So Paul is saying that the hypocrites, the religious hypocrites, are trying to get you to, to men to be circumcised so you, you can please God. God's pleasure doesn't come in what we do with our flesh. It comes in what we do with our heart and, and how we approach him and how we know him and how we pursue him. And so we're oftentimes fighting the, this fight in the flesh to win the battle in the spirit. Instead, we ought to fight the battle in the spirit to overcome the work of the flesh. But it's so easy to measure whether or not you've been to the gym or you've eaten too much or haven't eaten enough or you're angry all the time or you're offended or you're, you know, we, we so, well, I got to do this. And Big Pharma has, and again, I'm not against medication. That's not what I'm saying. But the reality is we, we can depend on certain things that we put in our flesh and, and, and they will suppress things for a while, but then we have to keep doing them. But when we press into God and we begin to see that I'm, I'm no longer possessing the fear I once possessed. You see, when a lot of people in this world today, even a lot of good Christians are afraid of dying and they're fearful of death. The reality is why, why care? Why you're thinking about death? Think about life. You're breathing. You're alive. Think about living. Don't, don't worry. You're, yeah, you're, I, I have really good news for you. You're going to die someday. You say, well, how's that good news? Once you get to heaven, you're going to be mad at yourself forever. Go, what was I thinking? No more electric bills, no more sorrow, no sickness, no car payments, no mortgage, no knuckleheads. They're all in hell. They gone. Say bye-bye. Yeah, I just, I had all these thoughts about when we're ascending, what Jesus might let me do when I look at those who are not. Okay. Thinking, you know, you folks, bring it back. Reel it in. For we have already experienced heart circumcision, and we worship God in the power and freedom of the Holy Spirit, not in laws and religious duties. You see, many people go to church not because they really want more of God or they want to know God. They just don't want to go to hell. And somehow they think if I do all the right things, 
I'll be okay. No, you cannot do enough right things to go to heaven. We, we just have to know God. We just have to receive him into our hearts and lives. And, and certainly the reason we want to experience right living is because there are, there are benefits, there are blessings to obeying God. And those come on earth. But, but there are going to be some people that while they're ascending, they're going to have to get rid of some mean. I don't think they'll have to get rid of it. I think it'll just fall off because there's not going to be any mean in heaven. But there are some mean Christians. That was a really good time to say, hallelujah, you're right, pastor. I work with them every day. They say they're saved, but I'm going to tell you right now, they're probably going to hell. I can tell by the way they act. No, you can't tell where they're going by the way they act because I know Christians who act the same way. Matter of fact, the worst, I would rather have an honest, mean heathen than a gossiping, saved Christian. Yes. Thank you very much. I, I, I used to go to New York every year. A friend of mine had a ministry there in, in, in Brooklyn. It was, he reached 30,000 kids a week. And some of you remember Bill Wilson. And the thing I loved about New York, if you've ever been around a New Yorker, they don't pull punches. They're straight up. They don't like you. They're going to tell you they don't like you. They don't mess with you. They're just going to tell you they don't like you. And I can, I can respect that. But for somebody to look at me and say, oh, we really like you, and then walk away and go to dinner and have me for dinner, I have no respect for people like that. I want to know. And, and you know what? Not everybody likes you. Not everybody likes me. I know we don't understand why. But, but our human nature, our flesh is constantly battling the purposes of God and the Spirit of God. So if there's somebody I ever get around that I don't really like being around, I try to speak good. And you might think I'm lying. I'm not. I'm just trying to speak good. And some people say, well, I didn't think you... Look, I, I, it's not hypocritical to be like Jesus. Now, even Jesus had words to say about the Pharisees, and he said them to them directly. He's from New York. <laughs> Pretty sure. And it goes on to say, we are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done and not in what we can accomplish in our own strength. So if I want more... That means I need less of me and more of God. And let me tell you, if you're struggling, you have to acknowledge there's a lot of you, a lot of me, that doesn't need to be, you see. Five of you are going to be better in 24. The rest of y'all, I'm not sure. So... What we have, to, so he's saying more flesh, less God. More God, less flesh. So if you really want more in 24, just say, you know what, in, in January, I mean, I'm going to let you live out the rest of this year like a knucklehead. But in 24, wake up on January 1, say, January 1, I'm going to take steps to know more of God. I'm not going to make steps to be more like God. I'm going to take steps to know God more. 
If I know God more, and I'm repeating this, and you're going to get this, then that means there's going to be less of me and more of him. You see, people who possess an incredible amount of bitterness and unforgiveness in their life, it doesn't mean they're going to hell. It just means that they have limited heaven on earth. They, have, they don't have the capacity to let God be God. They've got all this turmoil inside of how things should have been and the regrets. And I, I can tell you, if I ask any one of you, what are the greatest regrets in your life? I bet you could start reciting them unless you're a narcissist and you've not had any regrets. But anybody who's not a narcissist has plenty of, I have regrets. And if I really wanted to, I could sit down and write a bunch of them. But what good is that going to do you? That, all that does is feed the flesh. You can look and say, you know, I'm just going to have more of God. And, and my future's brighter than my past because I'm smarter and I have more of him and less of me. And trust me, you know when you've got a lot of you going on. I mean, I'm going to tell you, sometimes your flesh can just, it just take off and you just can't stop it. So what you have to do sometimes is say, shut up. It just make sure your spouse knows you're not talking to them. I'm talking to me. Shut up. Don't say anything. Don't do that. Quit. Some of y'all need to start having conversations with yourselves. You don't talk to yourself enough. You're talking to everybody else, talking about everybody else. Start talking to yourself. And, and you won't be crazy. You know, they, I think the whole uh, mental world wants us to believe that talking to ourselves makes us crazy. I think it's the opposite. If you don't talk to yourself, you're cray-cray. I think y'all, I mean, I have conversations. My Mark, what are you doing? I don't ever call myself dumb because I'm not. I do some dumb things, but that doesn't make you dumb. Any more than when you do smart things makes you smart. <laughs> Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. And so, goes on, Paul goes on to say, My passion is to be consumed with him. And not cling to my own righteousness based on keeping the written law. You see, Paul's telling the church at Philippi, y'all are depending on your flesh. You're trying to do more good instead of knowing the God who is more. And you're depending on your righteousness and your righteous acts instead of his presence and his power. And, and I want to do good, I really do, but I know that I can't do good. I'm like Paul in Romans chapter 7. Why do I do the things I don't want to do and don't do the things I want to do? We all have that turmoil, that struggle, but he, but he said, thanks be to God. Paul's saying, I'm going to know him more. I'm not depending on my righteousness and my goodness and, and my own righteous acts, but the more you know God and the more of God that you possess and the more that God possesses you, you don't have to worry about the flesh. You will respond because he's working in you and through you. This is why we faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. The more of the word we get in us, the more of the word we live out of us. My only righteousness will be his. Based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. The very righteousness that comes from God. And I, Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. And I continually... Long to know the wonders of Jesus and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings and become like him in his death. 
What we do for God is to accept what comes from God. From God versus good. From God versus for God. So it's not what I do for God, it's what I accept from God. And it's important that we grasp that. Paul goes on to say, only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. So when we get close to God and we know God, the desires he has become our desires. The Bible says if we delight ourselves in the Lord... He will give us the desires of our heart. Why? Because our heart is in him and his heart is in us. I delight myself in him, which means I find my desires to be his desires. Because I've delighted myself in him. And the most important thing is I want what he wants for me. If I want what he doesn't want for me, I don't have the capacity or the strength to handle what I get. Because I got what I wanted in my flesh, which is not built on the foundation of his spirit. This is so deep, I'm going to start tossing out floaties in a minute. Because this, this is the message to me that I want to finish the year on. I want to finish with this, this idea of more of God. And then more in 24 will have a foundation on which to stand. I think many of my failures, the reason they failed was because they were birthed out of the flesh, not out of the spirit. I said me, not you. Don't get mad at me. I'll try to make you happy and not talk about me at lunch. I know I have achieved, and you have achieved, and we've all achieved. God's given us this incredible gifts and skill set in life, and and you have gifts and talents that God gave you. And how many of you know you can use those gifts for him, or you can use them for you? And if I use my gifts and talents for me, then they're built upon the flesh. That's shifting sand instead of on the solid rock. So whatever we possess, that we, we, we give to God. Very good friend of mine was very, very poor, had four or five kids and had a car with a hole in the floorboard and he was so distressed, a Christian man, he sat in the park one day and he said, God, I, I got four kids, I got to feed, I got to take care of them. And he made a vow that, God, I want more of you and I, I, want, I want the best that you have for me. Later became a multi-multi-millionaire only because, let me tell you something, he's put more kids through college than all of us together. He's used his wealth to bless other people. God blessed him. He wanted more of God. God gave him more. And out of that more, he became a blessing to more. I respect him highly. I love him dearly. So, I'm going to give you four stories here. Desires gone wrong. So, so when, when you think about praying, I want, you to, I want you to pray. I want us all to pray. But listen to this, James chapter 4. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? This is a great question. Just ponder it. Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. 
flesh. You're jealous of what others have. Oh, come on, pause, Selah. You want what others have. So see, the, the downside to more in 24 is you look around instead of look in. I want what they have. I like that car. I like that house. I like that. I like that. I, 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 I. You're looking around. Instead of looking inside and saying, God, what more do you have for me? Because I want to know you more. So if I know you more, I can find out the more that you want. Not the more they have. You're jealous of what others have, but, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. If you start asking God for it, now you're having a right conversation. You're pressing into God and you're wanting to know more of God so that you can know more about God and more of what God has. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Now, God's not opposed to pleasure at all. However, if you find pleasure without God, is it truly pleasure? Well, to your flesh it might be. But God wants an eternal pleasure, a fulfillment, a pleasure that not only blesses you and brings pleasure to you, but brings pleasure to other people. Sometimes people that don't have, when they get it, they become even worse than they were when they didn't have. There's an arrogance that comes with that. Look at what I have. Look at who I am. Look at my title. That's not what more in 24 is all about. More in 24 says, God, I want more of you. I want to know you more. And then out of out of that, I want to be more like you. I want to make decisions like you make. I want to love people the way you love people. I want to care for people the way you care for people. And I'm going to get really tacky here. But if you, you can tell if people have more of God. Let me tell you how. How they treat other people. How they respond to the commands of God. You see, to me... Church attendance is not an option. It's not something I get up and go, eh, do we go this week or next week? I'm just going to get out there with you. If I want more of God, what are the ways I can have more of God? I can pray. I can read my Bible. Oh, I can go to church. What a novel idea. And yet Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, people sleep in and act like God is not important. If you want people to believe in the God you believe in, Show them, don't tell them. I want my kid to know God and, and we pray at the dinner table. Yeah, but do you ever go to a place that acknowledges God and worships God? Well, a couple times a year, Christmas and Easter. So next week, I'm going to wish you all a, I'll see you at Easter. Happy something, something. No, listen, we've come to a place where we've abused grace to believe. I don't have to go to church to go to heaven. You're right, you don't. But you need to go to church to experience more of God. What part of this don't you get? You can go home and get mad at me because you probably weren't here anyway. I'm exhausted with people who think going to church is just like, oh, do we want to go to Luby's? 
Or we want to go to Charleston's? Or do we want to go, you treated God like this is a restaurant. And you're going to go pick where you're going to go eat. Do you really want more of God? Or you just want more stuff that God provides? Well, I am a Christian. I have a right to ask. Sure you do. But sometimes you're self-destructive by asking for things you cannot help and you can't contain and you can't do good with. You get stuff and you're still not happy. You got the car you wanted. You're not happy. So I got to ask for another. I get the house I want. I get the job I want. I get the title I want. And, and you keep getting things and you get more and more depressed. And let me tell you why. Because it's the flesh and not the spirit of God. There are a lot of depressed Christians who are doing great on the outside, but the core of their soul is still depressed and downcast because you haven't pressed in. More of God, more, not more of stuff, more of God. You're just, you went from being happily married or married, and then you were happily married, and then you're married and happy, and there's a difference in happily married and married and happy. And then you go from roommate to cellmate. You feel incarcerated in your own home. Used to the woman you used to love, the man you used to adore, no longer. Why? Because you got more stuff and you got more flesh, but you don't have more God. God just became something. Oh, God gave her to me. That's what you said on the wedding day. Ten years later, you went, I don't know what happened. Why? Because you had more of God, you pressed into God, you were desperate for somebody to hang out with. And all of a sudden, you woke up one day, you went to church all the time, you met in singles group, you prayed together, you were so divine. Five years in, you went, oh, let's just lay here and be still and know that he is God. You even use scripture to lay in bed. St. Mattress Cathedral becomes your home church. Bedside Baptist. Lazy Lutheran. Motown Methodist. Turn on a little music. See, it's funny because we all have things we want to possess. But we haven't thought about being possessed by God himself. God, I want nothing except what you want. And if anything is coming my way that you don't want me to have, please don't let me have it. Very few people pray that prayer. God, if this is going to hurt my relationship with you, please don't let me have it. See, people start having kids and they get all consumed with their kids and they forget about God. I have more people say, well, my kids didn't want to go to church. Since when did they become the head of the house? And no, I hear this all the time. Well, you know, they didn't want to go, get out of bed, lazy head. I will grab you by the nap of your neck. You can report me if you want. The problem with our world today is we got children running it. Listen, if I, if I didn't get over 100 degree temperature, we were going to church. Oh, that's just terrible. No, no, that's how come my generation isn't sick. We built up our immunity by getting around other snotty-nosed kids. We ate Bermuda grass, not because we wanted to, but because our older brother fed it to us. 
Yeah, making pumpkin pie today. We made mud pie. Yeah. And all these new diseases, that's the reason old people are living long. Young people are going, I mean, I'm sick. Yeah, you are because you've never been outside. You got carpal tunnel in both wrists playing video games. The closest you ever been to a lawn was in Mario Kart. Desires gone wrong, doubts unconfronted. That you, you, you don't see yourself the way God sees you. Jeremiah had that problem and he wasn't a bullfrog. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and pointed, appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. You see, what he's saying is, Jeremiah, you belong to me. Don't give me reasons and excuses you can't. I can't go to church. I, 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 just got, I can't say the music's loud. He preaches too long. I don't like what he's saying. That's flesh. That is just simple flesh. You've given your flesh permission to dictate what you're going to do, where you're going to go, and how long you're going to sleep, and what you're not going to do. And, and, you know, there are people there I don't like. Well, you know what? There are people here who don't like you either. So why don't we just join together and like each other for an hour or two? You see, we, we excuse ourselves. You, you, you go to movies and you sit next to people that don't like you, don't know you, and don't like you, don't want to know you. You go eat at restaurants. People don't like you. They don't know you. You go to concerts where your ears bleed, but you come to church and it's like, oh, this is too loud. Today, this is pastoring and meddling. I want more in 24. And the reality is Christians have become weak because we have ceased to be challenged. We're, we're preached fluffy messages, you know. We get better because somebody provokes us to get better. I don't hang around with people who make me worse. I hang around with people with... That make me better. Challenge me. Elevate. Sometimes I don't like what they say because I'm not living what they say. It irritates me. And they're not boasting. They're, I say, well, what do you do? And they tell me and I go, I don't pray that long. <laughs> I don't do that good. See, and then I start measuring by the flesh. Instead of saying, my spirit is hungering for what they're saying. And I need to do that. I need to forgive. I need to not be bitter. I need to control the fear in my life because I grew up with it. There was a lot of fear in my neighborhood. There was a lot of fear in my home. And, and, and I just, it, it consumed me until one day I thought, I, I'm not living. I'm existing. i got to rise above this. And the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. So now, now here's where it gets ugly. That means perfect love wasn't in operation in my life because I was allowing fear to control me. Perfect love casts out all fear. So God, I need more love. Well, who's love? God is love. He doesn't just love. He is. So if I am in fear, that means I need more of God. 
It doesn't mean anything. I need more of God who is perfect love. That's right. Deficiencies in our lives that go unaddressed. And this is a big one because about 10 years ago, I had so much stuff in my soul that went unchecked because I was afraid to look at the deficiencies in my life. I had enough going on and good things were happening, but there were things that, that were left unaddressed. Things that, that I didn't even know existed and I was afraid to look. Some of y'all, trust me, man, when you open the door to your soul that hasn't been opened, it's like a closet that's been packed over for 20 years. Just cram stuff in, hurry, and close the door. Because that's what we do. But every human being has deficiencies. We all do. And, and if we can acknowledge those, God, can I have more of you so that I can lessen the deficiencies in my life? More of you. Because I know if I have more of you, nothing's impossible. Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I, I never have been. God's commissioning Moses. This is God. He's having a moment with God. And God's telling him, okay, Moses, here's what I want you to do. And Moses goes, I can't do that. I can't speak. I stutter. How many times have we told God what we cannot do? And the reason we cannot do it is because we have less of God and more of self. Moses was more focused on himself, the less than I can't speak, than the God who can speak to the world and speak to the skies and say, let there be stars, and speak to the earth and say, let there be light, and speak to the drought and say, let there be water. He's saying, Moses, I don't care if you stutter or not. More of me will be less of you, and I will enable your tongue to say what I want you to say. When you get more of God, all of a sudden you're like Mel Tillis. You may not be able to talk, but you can sing. And if you don't know who Mel Tillis is, Google him, some of you young puppies. It was always amazing to me. He couldn't talk, but, but man, you put a mic in front of him and a guitar, and he could open his mouth and sing. There's a way to address your deficiencies. Don't let them beat you. Rise up and say, more of God means I can do more than I thought I could do. We must press in to God or we will attack ourselves. And lastly, the story of Esther. Differences and discrepancies that go uncontested. And this is where you need people in your life. You know the story of Esther. Beautiful, adopted, orphan. Finds herself because of her beauty in the presence of the king's concubine. Not allowed to approach the king without an invitation. And yet the Jews are about to be annihilated. Destroyed. And the man responsible for her well-being, Mordecai, finds out the plan of an evil person that was going to destroy the Jews and comes to Esther and appeals and, and, and to her and says, you need to go before the king. Here's what's about to happen. And she says, you know if I go before the king and he doesn't extend his scepter, I will die. In other words, and again... Can't blame Esther. She's thinking, I don't want to die. Who wants to die? 
I've got this lush, plush life. I've got, I, I have beauty treatments. I eat the best food. I live in the kingdom. Everything is great. I have more. And yet Mordecai says, no, you don't have more. If you have more of God, then you won't worry about what you have or don't have. You will care more about the people that you are a part of and the culture the Jewish culture, you will care more about them than, than the beauty treatments and the treatments and living in the kingdom. More of God drives out and makes less of us. He got her attention. Why? Because he contested her response to saying, I, I can't go before the king. Well, we know how the story plays out. Esther acquiesces and and goes and literally saves the entire Jewish nation. One lady doesn't say she was formally educated. She was just good looking. I guess the king went, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't know what happened, but I do know this. I believe it was because she decided to care more about God than all the other things she was going, experiencing. And as a result... The Jews were saved. You see, making a right decision to address the discrepancies, the doubts, the deficiencies in our lives. And let me say this to you. Here's the problem. People who don't want more of God, people who don't think much of God, will do exactly what the serpent did in Genesis and try to talk you out of the more of God that you have. This is why gossip is so dangerous. In this time of year, it's the best of times and the worst of times, depending on the people. And people who are less than and living less than will always try to get you to live less than. Most of us heard the saying, misery loves company. And misery will invite you over to the house every day. And the minute somebody starts talking to me about somebody, I look and say, you know what, I'm not interested. Or let's pick up the phone and call them right now. And let's include them in this conversation, which they usually quickly dismiss. You see what I'm saying? You, you, we oftentimes, see, it's, it's like a little bitty leak in a tire. It just goes down a little bit over time before you know what you're flat. If you get around people who don't continually think about more of God, pursue more of God, and want more of God, they will leak the God out of you that you have. And you wonder why you're not happy. I'm raising a bar today, raising a standard. That if you want more in 24, it's not going to be, I need more talent, I need more skill, I need more gifting, I need more money. None of those things are what you need. You need more of God, and in God are all of the things that you need. You already have gifts, you already have talents, you already have stuff that you don't even know you have because you haven't accessed it, because you haven't engaged in the one who empowers the gift and the skill that you've been given. People say, man, I've always wanted to be this or do that, but I, I just never have. Why? Because you didn't get in the presence of God so that you'd have the faith you need to be what you want to be. 
I've said this probably a couple times. I'm going to say it again. There's no such thing as free money. This generation's been made to believe, well, look, it's free. Trying to forgive college debt, it's free. No, I'm paying for it. You're paying for it. Somebody's paying for it. And so we have to realize there's nothing free. Some people think it is, but the more free you get, the more controlled you are. Don't be sold on that. That somebody's just going to give you something to take care of. Now, there are, God may send somebody, God may send somebody to help you. God may provide a way. But the minute somebody starts telling you that it's all for free, you need to think about it. Why? Because we're not growing if we're not challenged. I've dealt with more young people that don't want to work or know how to work than I could ever imagine. And work was never an option when we were young, if we're older. This is kind of, give me an old moment here, okay? Just give me an old moment. Kids now, what are you going to give me if I do that? Uh, Let's see, what about a roof over your head and food on the table? Allowance was, I'm going to allow you to live here. That was my allowance. We're going to allow you to live here. Nowadays, I mean, our kids are, are like entrepreneurs. Let's negotiate. See, the trash pays how much? I'm meddling now. This Merry Christmas. Listen, <laughs> our world is so twisted right now, but our God is not. I just want us to press in and let your number one goal be more of God. More of God. I'll close with this because I can. That was my number one thing when I started the series. I want more of God himself. I want more salvations. In other words, I want to be a person that looks out for other people and says, what can I do to help somebody know the God I know more of? I want more church attendance. I want this world to turn after COVID. The whole idea, and I shared this the other night. In, in 1982, 45% of Americans attended a religious service every week. 2022, we're down to 36%. You said, well, that's 40 years. Well, think about 40 more years. Now we're down to the 20-some percent. That means 75% of people don't even go to church. What does that tell you? That tells me that my kids and grandkids are in trouble because church and God are going to be something that's not even optional anymore. It's not even thought about. And You can play this out however you want to play it out, but unless people start getting back in church, the next generation is lost. You say, well, you know, I don't want to go. Yeah, you know what? I don't care what you want. What do you want for your kids and grandkids? Because I got grandkids now, and I'm telling you, I'm living my life pressed into God, more of God, and I want them to know the importance of more of God. And you can talk all you want at home, but unless you live it out and walk it out, they won't even think about it. Oh, yeah, we used to pray. I don't know what that was all about. Now, listen to me, folks. Online church was never intended to be the entree, the first offer. A friend of mine wrote this. He said, uh, how let me think how he put this. He said, 
watching a fire on a TV screen doesn't warm you. Watching church online is the same way. It won't warm you. If you don't get to be around people, it's just a vision. Now, I'm not minimizing. I love the fact you can watch it after. Matter of fact, some of y'all need to come to church and then watch it online later. And some of you watching online need to watch online, come to church later. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's all about getting in the mix and being around other people. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as you see the day drawing near. So, anyway, I've made some of you happy, challenged some of you, irritated others, provoked. I hope I've done a good job of reaching all of the personalities in here. But as a pastor, it's my job. And I, I want to do it well, take it seriously. And I pray that all of you, as we approach 2024, want more of God. And as I said in the beginning, how do I do that? Time with God. Time spent pursuing God. Time spent around people of God. Time spent worshiping God. Time spent serving God. Those are helping me get more of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us so much that, I hate to put it this way, but that you kind of put up with us sometimes because you love us that much. Tolerate our excuses. You, uh, you love us anyway. You don't take heaven away from us. We remove heaven from us. But we get to go to heaven, but you said, be it done on earth as it is in heaven. You want heaven. You want us to experience heaven on earth. The joy, the peace that passes all understanding, the joy unspeakable, the mercy that triumphs over judgment, the grace that abounds more than sin. All of those things are available to us when there's more of you in us pray today, God, for those who want more of you, that they would immediately feel more of you, experience more of you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you to do me a favor, everyone here, pray this prayer with me. So many people now are giving their lives to Jesus online. This week, we got text after text after text, and I want to thank you. But if you can't come to Mosaic, you're in another city, another state, another nation, or even in this town. Find a church home and become a part of the local church. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin and I declare today I am born again. And I pray today for more of you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer to receive Christ, I want to ask you to text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Fill out the digital card and let us know who you are. But just don't put your name. Just put SAVED and text it to 405-500-1310. And it will walk you through it. The reason for that is when we get that, we pray for you by name and know 
how to reach you and let you know we're praying for you. Do that right now. Those of you in-house, if you prayed that prayer, our prayer team will be to the left of the stage in a moment. I'd ask you to go let one of them know, today I gave my life to Jesus, and they'll pray with you. If you want to receive communion today, you're already a Christian, you say, does this church do communion? We do it every Sunday. You can do it before church, during church, after church, during worship, just to my left. You can go over and receive communion, or one of our prayer team will serve you communion, all right? This time, I want to receive our tithes and offerings. Um, it is the time of year that we are blessed in a country that gives us uh, breaks for charitable giving, tax breaks for charitable giving. It is that time of year. You have today and next week, next Sunday, to enjoy the benefit of that by giving. Now, I will say this. So many of you have actually stepped up, and after the 12 o'clock or after 11 o'clock service today, they'll begin tearing everything out up here and behind me, and uh, we are totally redoing uh, our media, not, not the physical stage, but all the lighting and all the media. And if you were here Easter when we had Jesus unfolding on the back screen, it was so beautiful. We will now have the capacity to do that because we own the equipment. And so it's going to be a beautiful thing for us to do. Um, so those of you, if you want to tithe uh, and give, you can do it several ways. If you want to give toward this, I will say this, and I've said it a couple weeks ago. One guy in our church called me, met with me, and he said, for every dollar somebody gives, I'll match it. So he said, if somebody gives if it's $20,000, i will give you $20,000 toward that project. And I talked to him. He's going to do that. And so he said, once you get the final numbers, he said, I'll write a check for the rest. So uh, it's, it's a blessing that, that he's doing that. So if you want to give today, you can put your smartphone on the QR code behind me. It will lead you or take you to a giving platform. Uh, and you can give, set it up on credit card or debit card, or you can text the word GIVE to 405-546-2226. You can also give on your way out, mail it to 5821 Northwest Expressway, OKC 73132, or you can go to our website, mosaicokc.church forward slash give. Very simple. Um, and I want, if this is your first time here, we have a gift for you at the Welcome Kiosk. Uh, please stop by and pick that up. And uh, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the left of the stage right now. If you need prayer for any reason, please visit one of our prayer team members. Uh, they know how to pray. Listen, I call them when I need prayer. You can ask Connie and Marshall who headed up. I call and say, hey, I need you to be praying for me. I need you to pray for this. We need to pray for one another. Don't be ashamed. We all need prayer, all right? Let's stand. We're going to go out with a shout of hallelujah on three because that's just what we do. Thank you for coming. Uh, next Sunday is going to be a very special service, 10 o'clock only. So that doesn't affect you, some of the 11 o'clock people it could affect. Because I shouldn't have told you all because you'd actually get here on time. Um, I'm just kidding. Don't get mad at me. Uh, but it's 10 o'clock, one service next Sunday. It'll be a beautiful time, 10 to 11. Uh, we're celebrating with kids and everything in here. It's going to be a family Christmas, all right? So we're going to go out with a shout. One, two, three, hallelujah. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or join us online. God bless you.